Hello and welcome to a bonus classic rock episode of the Heart of Markness Classic Rock Podcast. When I'm not doing my regular Thursday podcast, which is the Led Zeppelin podcast, it is a bonus classic rock podcast. That's right, I wear two hats, one podcast. It is 91 degrees. I am hot as fuck. The noise you hear is 18 inches away from where I am sitting is an 18-inch diameter window fan, industrial grade almost, and it is pulling air out of my very hot second-floor 100-year-old apartment. Because, as I said, it's 91 degrees outside, and it is, with the fan, it keeps it 91 degrees in here. Without the fan, it will be well over 100 instantly, and I would die. So, apologies for the noise. That's the explanation. It's not that I have a shitty mic. Actually, I have a pretty nice mic. I'm just in a loud area, and I ain't changing it because it's hot. I'm sitting here in my underwear, dripping sweat. Like a character in Apocalypse Now. What we have for you today is a melange of artists. um, Because we are featuring songs from the December 1st, San Francisco, San Francisco, Cow Palace performance of the Arms Tour, and that is December first, nineteen eighty-three. Forty years ago, forty years ago, my God. In the Arms concert and the Arms Tour, Arms is an acronym standing for standing for Action for Research. Action for Research for Multiple Sclerosis, something like that. Basically, it's a benefit concert for Ronnie Lane, the former bass player from The Faces, a.k.a. Plonk, who had multiple, who got MS, and uh, was in a pretty bad way at this time in 1983, needed some help. So, uh, in September of 83, people got together, and by people, I mean the royalty of British rock. We had Eric Clapton... Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, the Three Yardbirds guitarist. Jimmy Page in his first public appearance since the dissolution of Led Zeppelin three years prior. Uh, So we had Eric, Jeff, and Jimmy, which was huge already. We had Charlie Watts and Bill Wyman from the Rolling Stones. Ronnie Wood showed up on the American tour. We had Joe Cocker, Steve Winwood, Kenny Jones from The Who playing drums as well. And then we had, I'm going by memory here, so if I forget anybody, forgive me. Uh, Fernando Saunders on fretless bass, part of Jeff Beck's group, who he was also Lou Reed's bass player. Pretty cool. Uh, Simon Phillips on drums for Jeff Beck's band. They were also the rhythm section for Jimmy Page. Whereas uh, in the London shows, Steve Winwood sang for Jimmy, whereas in the American tour, which happened shortly thereafter, uh, Paul Rogers replaced Steve Winwood, and that is where we get the genesis of The Firm. And this was a benefit to originally get a hyperbaric oxygen chamber, and if you've heard of that before, it's probably because it was something that Michael Jackson used to sleep in to uh, stay young forever. What it is, is it's just a a, a cylinder in which you lie, where uh, the pressure is raised, it's very high pressure, and... It is a very high oxygen-rich environment. 
So basically, you just get infused. Oxygen is just forced into your tissues, which, uh, back in the day, MS patients said would help their symptoms. So, all these guys got together to help Ronnie, because everybody loved Ronnie. And uh, it was really, really cool. It was spotty for Jimmy Page, because he got the most press. He got the biggest audience reaction, because he'd been out of the spotlight since 1980. But on the American tour, he'd been out of sight since 1977. So it was a huge return for him, and he was in the worst performing shape of his entire career having spent the prior three years in a really, really rough, depressed, addicted state. Uh, Working on project, he got a lot of things done during that time. Did the XYZ project. He uh, did the Death Wish 2 soundtrack. And, of course, uh, curated and produced Coda. That's a pretty good resume. But he hadn't been performing publicly. Aside from he jammed with Jeff Beck in 1981, and uh, before the Arms Tour in May of 83, he jammed with Eric Clapton and Phil Collins, and that's about it. So, Jimmy came back, and this was the impetus to get him into a project. His friends were doing it because they knew that he was dying, and uh, this was by now, you know, moving from the early into the mid-80s. And um, addictions were starting to become a little passe in that way. People were starting to get into treatment. Uh, The rehab industry and the rehab area of a profession was coalescing around like the Betty Ford Center and new understandings of addictions as diseases and not simply moral failings. So people were getting their shit together and Jimmy was kind of the last one at the party that way. Not, not for real. A lot of people were still fucked up. But um, it was a good thing for Jim. It brought him out. He had his up and down days. None of them were really amazing. But he pulled it off. The audience loved him. It gave him a lot of confidence. And it set him up with Paul Rogers, who also had a band that had just ended. Bad Company had fallen apart, too. Uh, and unlike Zeppelin, didn't end with a bang. It ended with a whimper. So those two guys got together on this show and on, and on the American tour, of which we're listening, December 1st, San Francisco, 1983, uh, Paul Rogers sang with them. And then Joe Cocker was on the American tour. He did not appear in the English one, which was September 20th and 21st, 1983. One was an arms tour. One was an arms concert benefit. And the next night was, I think, Prince's Trust concert. Same people, same set, different charity. And Chuck and Diana were there. I'm sorry, King Charles. (sighs) So that sets this up. So here we go. The tour started. The arms tour went to America. Just a few cities. Uh, They did a couple dates at the end of November in Texas. Then they jumped to San Francisco where they did a couple of dates. L.A. where they did a couple of dates at the Forum. Then they hopped over did a couple dates in New York. Um, the last of which was, I think, the 9th of December, and that was it. And then when Jimmy made it back to England, instantly started working with Paul Rogers uh, on songs, instantly started looking for bass players and drummers, and really was fired up. He was a very, very, very busy man in 1984. In fact, I have a two-part podcast series 
way back at the beginning about all the projects and jams Jimmy did in 1984. You know, within a year, he had played with all three members of Cream. He played with uh, most of the Rolling Stones. Lots and lots of jams. Did a few things with Roy Harper. Recorded an album with Roy Harper. Played some tracks with Stephen Stills. Played with Yes in Germany. Big shit. Listen to it. It's interesting, if you're interested in that stuff. All right. But let's get into this show. Now, everybody just did a few numbers in order. And uh, Clapton opened the show. Oh, okay. The other people. Let me redo the whole thing. Chris Staten's on keyboards. He's Joe Cocker's keyboard player and, and other people, too. Uh, Kenny Jones from The Who on drums. Charlie Watts on drums. Ray Cooper on percussion. Famous for doing percussion for everybody, but uh, Elton John specifically. Andy Fairweather Lowe, great rhythm guitarist. James Hooker on keyboards. Yeah, I think we got everybody. So the set list is as such. Obviously, I'm not playing everything. Oh, Jan Hammer was on synthesizer for the Jeff Beck thing. That's cool. All right, so we open with Clapton's set. We have Bill Graham introducing. Everybody Ought to Make a Chains, Lay Down Sally, Rita Mae, Ramblin' on My Mind, Have You Ever Loved a Woman, and Cocaine. Hard rockin' set for Mr. Clapton. Joe Cocker comes up, Joe Cocker intro, Don't Talk to Me, Watchin' the River Flow, Worried Life Blues, You Are So Beautiful, Feelin' Alright, and Seven Days. Two Dylan songs in one set. Jeff Beck comes on, does Star Cycle, The Pump, Definitely Maybe, Blue Wind, People Get Ready, and then finishes up with Going Down. Then it's Jimmy Page coming in with Prelude, Who's to Blame, and City Sirens, all from the Death Wish 2 soundtrack, Boogie Mama, which is a Paul Rogers solo song, and then Midnight Moonlight, which is a project that he had had uh, left over from Led Zeppelin that he brought in and he and Paul worked on it it became Midnight Moonlight then they finish with Stairway to Heaven instrumental only and then everybody comes out for an ensemble performance of Layla with a little help from my friends and then Ronnie Lane comes out at the very end with Goodnight Irene the old Lead Belly tune 153 minutes 59 seconds Hell of a night. I think they did three nights at the Cow Palace. So maybe December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. I don't know. Whatever. This is the first. It is good. Recorded on a Sony D6 with a TX mic. Allegedly. With Dolby on, etc., etc. It's all in the notes. You can download this show and all the songs I just gave you at heartofmarkness.com. Just look for the arms show and grab it. It's free. Doesn't cost nothing. So we're going to start with Eric Clapton's set, where we're going to listen to Have You Ever Loved a Woman? Which is great because he changes keys 150 times when he's soloing, and it's cool. Have You Ever Loved a Woman? Eric Clapton.
Varnice, right? Eric Clapton, uh, before his, he started his comeback. He was at a bit of a career slump then because he had just put out album after album of slow, mellow. I mean, look at the, look at the tracks he played. He didn't play White Room. He didn't play any Derek and the Dominoes. I know he did Layla, but he did that as an ensemble. He was, uh, somebody called him so laid back, he was horizontal. Great player, for sure. But then in 1984, I think, the next year, uh, Forever Man came out. Maybe it was 85. But Forever Man came out and he had that cool video. He grew his hair out, had that long trench coat. Cool shit, man. And the song actually had some pep to it. Nice, right? All right. Well, we are hopping on along to Joe Cocker. And for Joe Cocker, said he's got Clapton on guitar, Kenny Jones and Charlie Watts on drums with Ray Cooper on percussion, Andy Fairweather Lowe on rhythm guitar and backup vocals, James Hooker on keyboards, Chris Staten on keyboards, and Bill Wyman on bass. And we're going to hear him sing a wonderful Dylan song, a song that's actually been the show opener on his, tour, his never-ending tour for the last couple years. Most of the time, because he's Bob Dylan. Watching the river flow. Which, in fact, he re-recorded it. It's from like 1970-ish. Originally. Uh, Self-portrait, I think it's on. And I'm just going by memory, so don't quote me. But he just... uh, Bob Dylan's latest release is a re-recorded version of Watching the River Flow. Great song. And Dylan still got it, oddly enough. I mean, he's 82, so he sounds like he's 82, but he's still, he's still killing it. All right, friends, Joe Cocker watching the river flow.
<laughs> I am I am so casually doing this episode. And again, I apologize for the noise. I know it sounds like shit, but it's hot. There, maybe it's better. Hopefully it's a unidirectional mic. I don't even remember. But I'm doing this so casually that it's been like three hours since I started. Because, you know, I record, and then, it being hot, I got some sweet tea. And then I had a sweet tea, then I had lunch. And then while having lunch, I watched some YouTube... And then, you know, I had a little more sweet tea, had some water, played with the cat, did another song, come back, da-da-da-da-da-da. So, uh, what is a single thread of pure continuity to you is actually just a collage of space-time events. <laughs> Hopefully it's all right. Music's good, though. And let's move on ahead with the music. All right, we got Jeff Beck is up next because he his set was next, and we're gonna do his song "Going Down" because it's great. It's actually I believe it's a Freddie King song, but Beck did it, made it his own. Zeppelin did it a few times in '73, I believe, really powerfully, yeah, live. Good stuff, going down, Jeff Beck. Holy shit, uh, rest in peace, best guitarist of all time. Thank you. 
right, and now we are at it. James Patrick Page takes the stage at the age of 39 years old. For another month, anyway. Uh, oh, quick note before I forget. I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, because like I said, I've been doing this for hours and hours. Um, I did do some EQing to these tracks. So if you download them from Heart of Marcus, they will not sound... Uh, they won't have as much of a bottom end. I added some bottom end and a little bit of top end. Um, really nothing special. Basically selected a level adjustment and uh, pressed a button. Hi, Kit Kat! It is so hot up here. Oh, it is the hottest part of the day now. Fuck. All right, Jimmy Page has taken the stage, and we will rage. He opens up with Prelude from Death Wish 2 and then goes right into Who's to Blame? Or is it City Sirens? Fuck, I think it's Who's to Blame. Let me look. It's easy enough to see. Who's to Blame? Yeah! With Paul Rogers, who is not too solid on the words yet, does a little false start. It's totally alright. But solid. And this is Jeff Beck's band staying on stage for Jimmy. So Fernando Saunders on fretless bass. Uh, maybe that got him into uh, the Tony Franklin thing. Well, no. Roy, Roy Harper did that. Never mind. And uh, Simon Phillips on drums. Simon is not my favorite drummer for Jimmy. But here we go. Now, this is the first time Jimmy Page has been seen in seven years by these folks. It's a big, big, big event. Enjoy. Together. 
it really is a bummer. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing, but it's also a bummer that Jimmy was kind of at the nadir or nadir of his uh, prowess when he did these shows because had had he been on top of his game or just on his game this would have been unbelievable what a team up the three yardbirds guitarists can you imagine the blues jams mm. but this kind of uh, this was a benefit for Ronnie Lane but it was also a benefit for Jimmy Page these guys were very conscious of the fact that Jimmy was in a rough spot and they knew that if they got him out and playing out of his own head and his own insecurities he would see that the people really loved him and missed him and craved more of his content which is what he experienced it's good stuff good stuff all right spiel time you can find me anywhere you can find podcasts which you know because you found me but i am also on twitter as i may have mentioned as heart of markness follow me it'll be fun uh, there's also a Facebook group for the podcast with a couple hundred folks in it on uh, Facebook called Heart of Markness. Join that. Talk classic rock with people. Talk Zeppelin with people. It's all good stuff. Uh, I mentioned before, I'm on YouTube as well. I don't have the classic rock episodes up there, just the Led Zeppelin ones, but I will get them up there someday. And I mentioned the heartofmarkness.com, which is my website, which exists as a place for me to both post the podcasts, which are hosted elsewhere, obviously, uh, but mainly to post the links to the complete shows, because with a handful of rare exceptions, I share the uh, recordings from which I take these songs. So you can get the whole show that I read earlier uh, from hardermarkness.com and get the whole thing. It won't sound quite like this, because remember, I did add some bo- a bunch of bottom end and a little bit of top, but you can do the same thing if you want, or just take the raw recording. Whatever! The world is your oyster, friend. And this is, of course, brought to you courtesy of the Titans, upon whose shoulders rests this humble yet mighty podcast. And I am, of course, speaking of my beloved patrons and if you go to patreon.com slash heart of markness see if there's something there for you if you're feeling it and uh if you don't want to go to patreon.com you can hit the patreon button on heartofmarkness.com when you're downloading those shows if and only if you feel like it it's a free podcast always will be maybe i don't know as far as i know it always will be all right so thank you to the aforementioned titans upon whose shoulders rest this humble yet mighty podcast. And a laurel and hearty handshake go out to Keith and Tilda and Brian and Matt and Cecilia, Steve, Big Ed, Kenny, John from West Footscray, Picard, Knagarn, Rob from Melbourne, Australia, Wayne, Brad, Danielle, Tracy, Other David, Bonzo Billy, and Mimo. I love you guys. Thank you for letting me do what I do. They pay all the expenses of the podcast, hosting it on SoundCloud, hosting the website, owning the website, 
cloud storage for the shows that I share with you, the microphone through which I'm speaking with you, et cetera. Thank you, patrons. And now back to our show. I have got one more for you. It is simply the very, very, very last song of the night is when uh, Ronnie Lane would be gingerly led out to the front of the stage because he's very frail. He's not well. And he sings, Good Night, Irene. And everybody plays, everybody takes a turn. And I, I love the solos that Jimmy plays with this song because, first of all, it's a home run because it's easy to play, a nice pentatonic, bent note solo with a lot of emotion. Perfect for the B-Bender Telecaster that he's playing. And, uh, yeah. Ronnie Lane from The Faces, the reason this whole thing happened. And can you imagine, back in the day, 40 years ago, my mom would not let me, a young, naive, impressionable 15-year-old from Bedford, New Hampshire, take the train to New York City and go see this show at Madison Square Garden unaccompanied. So obviously, they were unreasonable and terrible. Can't remember. I was really legitimately pissed. Like, really? Well, how, what a big deal. What's the big deal? It's just New York City. <laughs> it wouldn't have eaten me up alive. Yeah. All right. Well, to the people that did get to see it, good, good on them. All right, friendos. Good night, Irene. Here we go.
And there you have it. A concert that was professionally filmed, or video recorded, and professionally multi-track recorded. A tour that was, I know San Francisco was, L.A. and New York, I can only assume Dallas was, and of course London was. But, you're never going to see it, because <laughs> every single one of those artists comes with a different management. And the Stones management, and Jeff Beck management, and Clapton management, and Joe Cocker management, and oh, Lord have mercy, Rolling Stones management, and Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page management, and Paul Rogers, Bad Company management, and Steve Winwood management, would all become very, 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 very obstructive and complicated if this were to be released professionally, because every single one of them would have to sign off on it. And Jesus, can you imagine? And it was all, I don't know. And the nonprofit doesn't exist anymore. So maybe after all these folks have finally kicked the bucket, it will come out professionally. But until then, all we have is this audience tape made by Unknown. Is it Unknown? Let me look at the notes. Oh, taped and transferred by Gems. Oh, this is a Gems tape. J-E-M-S. Yay. Doing God's work. Awesome. They're the ones who are curating the Mike Millard collection, too. Great folks. Great folks. Yay. So thank you, because now that, that this wonderful concert and all those beautiful moments have been captured and we can experience and enjoy them again. So yay. I love this stuff. All right. I am done. It is hot. I'm going to drink a lot of iced tea and smoke a lot of marijuana and wait for the heat to break. Be about two, maybe three more hours of this, and then it'll start to get cooler. Thank you for listening, friends. Hope you're having a good time wherever you are. Please be good to yourself, and please be good to each other. Thank you. Bye.